Welcome to It's a Code World, your digital marketing podcast. This podcast will give you practical insights on how to better digitally market your business, be more organized, and get more customers. Hey, how's it going? This is It's a Code World, and we're going to be talking today about how to use drone footage for marketing, and I'm here with Mark Teske. Hey, everybody. Mark and I were uh, just at a party the other night uh, at a... What was it? What was the kind of what was the party? Oh, I think it was called the uh, the Blackfoot Bash. One of our uh, one of our partners, Sustainable Nine, a building company here in Minneapolis, put together an unbelievably cool kind of Minnesota modern uh, three story home, super energy efficient, and they packed it full of three hundred thousand dollars worth of art and threw a grand opening party for it at the end of the Artisan Home Tour. It was unbelievable. So. Uh... Really, really awesome. What was your favorite uh, food item there? There's a lot of good food. Well, here's the problem. I was actually working, so, oh, so I didn't get to eat. Hey, <laughs> they, they, hey that they, feels like a personal attack. Oh, <laughs> I know. Rub it in. They hooked me up with a signature cocktail at the end of the night, though, so go. I guess I can't complain too loud. They had some really good poke, so I'm not going to rub in the food, but uh, <laughs> very good uh, tuna, basically, um, and I think some salmon. But, uh, yeah, it looked, looked delicious. I'm not actually a super raw fish guy, oh, so okay. that was okay. I wasn't uh, really... Yeah, I moved that... from uh, from sushi. I remember when I had sushi for the first time when I was 19, and I was in Hawaii a couple years ago when I when I asked Bia to marry me, and we had poke for the first time, which is it's basically just raw fish, just diced. And I, like, I was so sad. Like, just being landlocked in the middle of this country uh that you can't get this such high quality fish as you like it's just plentiful out in hawaii obviously but yeah and i think i actually think poke is kind of like the next big thing i think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that even here in the midwest oh for sure i mean once you get like the poke that we had in hawaii is just like they had they were serving it up like we serve up pasta uh and you know like the deli Sure. At the grocery store, they're serving it up like that. It's so much healthier, obviously. Kind of Tom than, Cruise ca- cocktail style, flipping it through the air. And, yeah, they're they're they just have it everywhere there. So it's like you just kind of feel gypped when you come back, and you're like, we don't have any good fish. And it's like when I was growing up, uh, you, I, I thought I didn't like fish because the fish that we did have was like meh. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially if you try to get like salmon or something here, it's just. It's not normally fresh, so it's well, not there's good. a big deal between freshwater and saltwater fish for sure, too. Yeah, the salt keeps it uh, salt keeps it fresh out there. I like to think. <laughs> um, but hey, you know, uh, we always use a little thing to get this kicked off. What kind of tools do you use? And so today we'll be talking about drone footage. Um, and what are some tools that you use to get the most out of drone footage, Mark? Cool. Well. Um, you know, when I when I jumped into doing drone footage, uh, the, again, small UAS aerial photography, videography. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can refer to it. Most people kind of colloquially call it drone, you know, drone video or drone footage. Um, you know, first and foremost, everybody thinks of the drone. So, you know, working outwards from there, um, I personally fly DJI Inspire drones. They're a professional grade, but still super easy to fly. Uh, commercial drone that gives really excellent results that are kind of on par with the big cinema drones of even just three, four years ago. And, uh, you know, super reliable, super low cost of maintenance and great quality footage. 
Um, you and know, as a hobbyist, you can get a DJI too. Absolutely. Um, you know, the Inspire line is their top of the line, but they actually have several models beneath that. They've got most popular is the Phantom. I mean, if you think of drone, the Phantom is what comes to mind. I mean, it's got the uh, you know, you see the silhouette, you instantly know who made that who made that copter. They've kind of become the iPhone of drones over the past few years. Okay. And um, you know, they've got a couple of uh, lower priced ones that are smaller and more portable, like the Mavic or the Spark. That can be had for as low as $500 and will give you decent results for web type applications. Like, you know, I wouldn't necessarily think of using that for high quality, for a professional grade presentation. But, you know, if you need a grab shot and portability is key, they do an awfully good job. Awesome. And you've got Premiere, Final Cut, iMovie down here. Well, yeah, that's that's the other thing is, too. Once you get all this footage, nobody just sits and wants to watch a stream of consciousness bit of footage that's yeah. 18 minutes long. You know, it has to be turned down into something that's concise to the point, looks beautiful, shows only what you want to do. You know, uh, Tim, there's this old adage that Benjamin Franklin said that, um, you know, I'm sorry I didn't write you a shorter letter. I didn't have enough time. And exactly. It, exactly. It's so true. You know, you really... Less is more all the time. Yep. So you need to edit it down. A lot of tools on the market to do that. Some easier than others to use. Um, personally, I use all Adobe products like Premiere Pro um, because I, you know, I get a high degree of productivity and professional quality out of it. Um, if you're on the Apple side of things, Final Cut Pro also does a fantastic job. I've used that in the past myself. Um, iMovie, yeah, I mean, I think every Mac these days comes with iMovie bundled right on it. Yeah. Um, uh, Premiere Elements on the Adobe, I think that's you know ninety nine dollars. Then even there's some um, iPad based and mobile tools that do a pretty good job. I'm thinking like uh, a program from GoPro called Quick Q U I K that you can splice together shots pretty quick, pretty easily. As well as um, there's a, a pretty high end nonlinear editor called LumaFusion, which I think is like ten dollars on the iTunes Store. So awesome, a lot of different options, kind of all of all amounts of difficulty and price range that you can take on. So like my thing with, you know, getting some of these quick tools for people is always like, all right, so some people won't be able to hire you. And yep. some people yeah. won't be able to hire a professional. So if people are having fun, if people are just trying to put together something, um, what would they do? And I think about why, why this matters though, in the broader perspective of marketing and why this matters, you know, for for us as professionals starting to use drone footage to sure. get more sales, to get more leads, to get more traction. Um, why does drone footage matter? Why does drone footage matter now? Absolutely. Well, there's uh, there's sort of two main reasons why drone footage is important, um, and and why it can really be uh, make a big impact for your business. Number one is it gives you a different perspective than you're used to seeing. Everybody drives by on the street, sees your business, sees your home, sees your uh, complex, your bridge, whatever it is that you're trying to put together. And they see that view. That doesn't grab them. But now suddenly, once you get up in the air, you get a different perspective on what that looks like. You not only see the property, you see the neighborhood around it, the backdrop, the setting. Is it by a golf course? What are the roads leading up to it? Is it next to a river, lake, whatever? It really lets you see that property and see the context it's into. Now, I think an important call out there is that, um, you know, legally, we're allowed to fly up to 400 feet. Uh, 400 feet is really, really high. Like you can see an entire subdivision at 400 feet. Hmm. Um, so it's hard to even pick out what it is that you're trying to do there. Honestly, some of the most compelling foot is 
20 feet off the ground, 25 yeah. feet off the ground. So that way you're not looking at roofs. You're looking at the, the property itself coming yeah, in exactly. at it. Um, yeah, I know we didn't do much in the way of an introduction here coming in, but... Um, yeah, go for it. You know, my, full, my full-time role is running a um, architectural imagery agency that does high-quality photography and video. So a lot of my clients are in the construction world. They're in the home building, uh, commercial construction, um, landscaping realms, and uh, you know they're hiring me to produce video, fo- video and photography footage of their properties, show it off in the most compelling way. And by getting that kind of 30-foot up view, you're, sort of, you're getting a new perspective on it that, isn't, that you aren't seeing from the street. Um, the other thing that it gives you is it gives you the ability to give a view that isn't easily obtained by any other method. Um, yeah. I, I sort of call it God. You can't throw your iPhone up in the air and can't get a little shot. can't throw your iPhone in the air. You can't get 30 feet up out in the lake. I sort of call yeah. it God's boom truck. There you go. You know, that you can kind of position that weird boom truck anywhere you want to and get that great shot in places that you can't get um, easily, you know, underside of a bridge or what have you. Mm-hmm. So those are the two main compelling reasons for, for doing drone footage is to give you that eye-grabbing view and to show you where it is and why it's there. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I've seen it used on social media. I've seen it used on hero videos, like the main background for a website, and it can be done really, really well. I think we're at a, we're at a spot in drone footage, in, in the drone footage timeline where people have seen it, right? People have seen it. Yeah, they're it's pretty, definitely out there. It's, it, they're impressed by it. Um, it's not the most new thing ever right now, right? For sure. But it, people are getting better about figuring out what it could be used for and and trying to wield that for their company. And I still think it catches people's attention, even though it's not like the newest thing ever. It catches people's attention and it does, um, you know, it does draw you into that video. If you see that, if you're scrolling by on your social feed or if you're, um, you know, looking at a website homepage and you see that it just grabs your attention um where is it evolving to like what is drone footage uh, where what's next for drone footage where is it going absolutely you know we're, we're, we're sort of hitting starting to come into um oh you know if we're looking at this in human terms drone footage is kind of becoming just out of college yeah you know we're sort of in our mid-20s we're kind of starting to have some mature thoughts but you know there's still a little bit of wildness left in us and um Fortunately, the industry is evolving in that way because, you know, the teenage years were a little rough for the drone industry. Yeah. And um, but we're hitting a nice point in maturity that's only going to be getting better over the next few years in oh, terms yeah. of not only the uh, the tools that are available to us, but also just the regulatory, the laws, public acceptance. Um, and, and also, most importantly, businesses are really figuring out what's good and what's, you know, the right way to use drone footage in a way that's useful for their business and um you know the uh the shiny the, the shininess of something new is a little bit worn off now yeah. now now it has to be good as well yeah exactly and the best stuff really and in the same way that a good um landscape photographer catches your eye when you see yeah. a great piece of landscape photography you just go wow look at that view yeah and it still has that same magic when you get a great shot put yeah. together it's a really good way to put it so there's a lot of drone uh, pilots out there, um, or even people just kind of doing it as a hobbyist, but maybe trying to earn some money on it. Um, why 
do you not want to do that? Let's say, for, for instance, for Minnesota, where we're at right now, why do you not want to go out and as a hobbyist try to capture some business or try to, you know, wield that for business? Because you have to be licensed and insured, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that is a very key point uh, to bring up is that um, the FAA and the state of Minnesota defines um, commercial usage as done in the pursuit of a business. So that doesn't mean, you know, you may not have even been given a ham sandwich for flying. You, you know, if you are doing something in the pursuit of a business, you are doing it commercially, whether you personally are being compensated or not. So a lot of people think because they weren't given a check directly, they aren't doing it commercially, but really they are in the eyes of the FAA. Um, so what, to, to kind of take a step back, what's required here in Minnesota is uh, a little bit more than other places in the country, and there's a few extra steps involved with that. So the FAA, first off, requires you to get um, what's called a Part 107 license. Um, Part 107, it's also called a small UAS uh, pilot's license, um, requires you to go in and take a written test that is mostly about learning the rules of the road. Um, think of it as the written test on a driver's license, where you, you, you need to learn the speed limits, you need to learn what stop, you know, how to take a right at a stop sign in aircraft terms. In our case, it's how to, mostly about how do you read a map? How do you tell where you're flying someplace that you shouldn't be? It's a lot of policies and procedures around that. Um, a lot of safety and rules. And that's just to fly over people's heads, I hear, like in a public area. No, definitely not. Yeah. Flying over people's heads, um, flying inside restricted areas around airports or other guarded areas, um, checking to see if there are restrictions. Our president was up in Duluth last week, and you know they put a, a temporary flight restriction around the whole area. Well, if you weren't a licensed drone pilot, you may not have known to even check that. Mm -hmm. And a visit by the Secret Service is a bad end of the day. Yeah, I wonder if there were any uh, drone pilots out there. You, you'd think there had to have been somebody. Well, you're like, I mean, it'd be a great shot, right? <laughs> I'm sure, you know, and I, I'm guessing a lot of people just didn't know or wouldn't know that that's yeah. not allowed. Or So, um, you know, they maybe have gotten away with it, but yeah. I, I don't know. Um, so additionally here in Minnesota, uh, we're required to get to uh, be licensed with Minnesota Department of Transportation in their aeronautics division. Um, we have to register both the drones that we fly commercially as well as our, ourselves, and we have to pay an annual license to do that. And one of the requirements for doing that is having that 107 license as well as being, you know, carrying over a million, I believe it's a million dollars, don't quote me to that, but it's carrying um, liability insurance on top of that so that if um, one of these drones that is, you know, maybe made by who knows who decides to suddenly stop flying, and yeah. trust me, Gravity wins every single time. Yeah. Um, if that decides to suddenly come earthward, what happens if it falls on somebody or something? So that being said, I do want to give a little bit of uh, hope for those that are looking for, that are maybe looking to start with this. Absolutely. So like, what's your first step if you want to become a drone pilot? And you know what? I'd highly encourage it. Um, drone flying is absolutely one of the most fun things I do in my business. It's it's exhilarating getting up and flying and seeing what the birds see and being being up there with the birds is just the it's the greatest feeling it's really fun um, I can't believe I get paid to do that yeah um, it's and you know would highly encourage anybody with an interest in it um, to do that so it's it's not that tough you yep. do need to you do need to pass the 107 test yeah um, you know there are a, a million online guides on how, you know, study guides and places to learn like Remote Pilot 101 is a good one. I think that's one of them that I used back in the day. 
um, to learn the rules of the road. Then you have to schedule with an FAA testing center and go in and take, take the test. Um, then you need to find a, um, you need to find an insurance company that will insure you. Um, Evan Garments treated me great on that one and hooked me up with uh, drone insurance, both in terms of replacing my drone as well as liability. Um, I'd be happy to give you his contact information to provide that in the show notes. And then finally, you need to register with the state. And so there's effort involved. You have to burn some calories to do that. Yeah. But um, I, I personally found the journey was super rewarding. Like I, I was you, fascinated yeah. by learning all the rules and how it, all that stuff actually worked. How about um, the, uh, what do you say? How about the hobbyist? Is there less for the hobbyist? Yeah, there is. Um, you can absolutely hobby fly without, without going and getting a license. Uh, the rules are a little different. Yeah. Um, me personally, um, I have to have I have to have authorization, uh, pre-authorization from the FAA to fly inside a five-mile radius of the of the major airports here. Really? Okay. And, and my business actually carries all of those. I'm authorized yep. for the year to fly inside of all gotcha. those areas, okay. so I can just go in, and I have height limits on where I can fly yeah. and so forth. As a hobbyist, it's a little different. You're more or less not allowed to fly in that area okay. without permission from the tower. Gotcha. Um, so you have to call in and and. They include actually things like, you know, dirt airstrips and helipads on top of hospitals. And so it, it's hard to find an area in the Twin Cities that isn't covered by one of those zones. Yep. But they exist. You can find them. And um, there are resources out on the web, like uh, Kitty Hawk is a good program on iOS that allows you to look at those maps and see nice. where you're allowed to fly and not. That's um, awesome. AirMap is another good one. Um, so as a hobbyist, essentially don't fly within five miles of another area don't fly over anybody's heads um sorry that's going to be disappointing to all of you that want to film weddings but don't fly over people's heads stay under 400 feet and just kind of you know use your head skip those hold my beer moments yeah there you go um so i'm just going to talk a little bit about how to make drone footage more compelling and talk about just some of the things i've seen as an outsider i'm not necessarily a drone guy but i've seen some things because it can go bad right like if, sure. if you're not using a professional uh, and you're just trying to kind of on the fly, let's say on the fly and wing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, give it so, a whirl. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, so one of the things is like people generally do this right, where they have some good music. Because the, the music is an important choice when you're, you're making, uh, when you're making some compelling footage. But uh, you don't need to make it the whole length of a song necessarily. I think about when people are, you know, sharing this on social. They got three and a half minutes. I'm I'm interested for about a minute and a half to be honest. Sure. Yeah. And then classy titles. So this is one I've seen people drop the ball on. You can really make some really good looking or at least decent looking drone footage better with classy looking titles over sure. the top, sure. or you know, like in the final edits, like the the finishing touches if you just slap on any old font on the top of that it can look messy and basically bring down the level of quality <laughs> as it everything. turns out design is important yeah design is important <laughs> and then uh in the appropriate case where they have a compelling voiceover so sometimes we need a narrative sometimes we need story sometimes we need something to to help give us context around what we're looking at so having a compelling voiceover is a huge piece as well. So actually, I think the most important thing that you just said was one word, yeah. story. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that this this isn't this applies to even if you're just doing a quick little Instagram on the street corner with your iPhone. 
gotta have a story if you want people to watch it for more than two seconds. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you need, and it's especially true with drone video or any piece of video that you produce, even a photograph. You gotta tell a story. Yeah. And you know, a longer story has to have be more complex and more parts. If you just kind of have a single idea, well, that's a thirty second story. Yeah. You know, if you're going to tell a ninety second story, you kind of got to have a first, second, and third act in that story that leads people and gets them interested, then presents a little conundrum, and then hooks them at the end with the resolution. Exactly. You've got to have those parts if you're going to expect them to watch it more than a couple seconds. So how does that map into drone footage? Well, um, usually we do it with establishing shots. Establishing shots kind of shows the background area of what we're trying to do and where we're at. Then we sort of introduce our main character, which is often a property. Um, we then start giving you more, introducing you to that person, letting you learn a little bit more about them. What's it look like from the side? What's it look like from the top? What, you know, what's the swimming pool behind it look like? And then finally, we sort of give you that, uh, you know, we kind of back out again to um, making the message clear about what is it like for you if you use that builder or exactly. live there or exactly. use, you know, that's, that's sort of the hook. Yeah. You know, because that's that ultimately for a lot of you that are listening, that's going to be why you're going to use drone footage is because you want them to use you as your builder or you want to for them to live in your property or you want them to use your facility. Yeah. Um, so story is a really, really big part in that one. Huge. And um, so backing out to music, um, music's a great point because oftentimes you get what you pay for. Yeah. You know, um, humans have a weird uh, psychological thing in that they'll put up with really awful quality video, but they will not put up with awful quality sound. Yeah. That's in terms of voiceover or music. Yeah. I mean, think of all the YouTube concert videos out there, right? Mm -hmm. It could be shaking all over the place, but if they if, if the sound is right off the soundboard, I'll sit and watch the thing. But if it's just, I'm out in 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. So that's super important. Design is important, making it look good, and, you know, kind of roping it back uh, full circle. Uh, voiceover is an important tool in storytelling. Yeah. And, and giving you, you know, telling a person the things that, may not be obvious intuitively by looking at the imagery. Although yeah. properly done, the imagery should stand alone. You know, the voiceover just kind of keeps your interest throughout the whole process. For sure. So if somebody is looking for a solid drone pilot, and, you know, this could be anywhere in the country, right? So, um, but we might talk a little bit about Minnesota. Like, what do people need to be looking for? How do you find a good drone pilot? Absolutely. Um, so I, I personally have a philosophy that, you know, there are pilots that became photographers or cinematographers, and there are cinematographers that became pilot. Um, I'm in the second camp. Uh, I've been doing I've been doing professional photography for almost and, and cinematography for almost 10 years. And I started there long before the drones. So I learned how to line up a nice shot before I learned how to fly. Um, so Take a look, you know, the imagery is really more important than being able to make a fancy move. Uh, you know, a simple move that was that set up great with great light is going to look a thousand times better than the most complex move on the planet. Yeah, we were talking about like the example of darting through trees. Like, sure, you can do that. You can whatever. Yeah. But it's not really going to tell the story in a compelling way. And usually it's those simpler, slower pans or whatever um, that are going to kind of give you that emotionally evocative feeling rather yeah, than absolutely. darting and all that. Absolutely. So that's one thing to look for is, you know, look at the quality of what you're getting is, you know, are things composed nicely? Does it have a nice sense of smooth pacing? Is it jerky? 
Are the so colors like good? Checking they, out their portfolio, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Does it look good? I mean, yeah. that's kind of the first thing to look for. Next thing to look for is, um, are they a professional operation? There's a lot of people selling their services right now that uh, legally shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, they don't have the they don't have the licensing. Um, they don't have the state permits, and most importantly, they don't have the insurance. Yeah. And, and that kind of says something about their operation if they're not being professional anyways, right? Like, there's, it goes deeper than that. Like, obviously, people should be getting the proper, like, if you're in your, whatever industry you're in, if you're a home builder, if you're a roofer, if you're a service provider of any type, if you didn't have the proper insurance and the proper licenses to do what you're doing, well, what does that really say about the quality of the end work too? You For know sure. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely some things you could kind of presume from that. If they are insured and licensed, there's something you can presume from that, which is that they have the professional stuff required for their business. Yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, a more common one too is somebody that'll only accept cash. Yeah. You know, that's (laughs) a different message. Exactly. Um, So that's one thing to look, that's absolutely one thing to look, that's second thing to look for on that one. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people out there, you know, Google is your friend and you're certainly one of the things you're going to want to Google for is insured and part 107. Those are a couple of search terms you're going to want. Um, also to check in with your state's Department of Aeronautics um, in their Department of Transportation, like Minis- the Minnesota Department of Transportation has a Department of Aeronautics that has a list of all of the who they consider to be the licensed pilots in the state. And uh, that list is an awful lot shorter than <laughs> the list of people that come up in Google. But um, but if you want to make sure that who you're dealing with is is really playing by the rules and operating as a legit business, that's a great place to start. And there's a lot of us out there. Um, there's also the Minnesota Small UAS Consortium. Uh, it's a group of us that uh, work together to sort of uh, work with our legislation, work with uh, pub- public advocacy to uh, paint a good face on our industry and try to advance our industry. Um, and I'm sure you can find a similar organization in whatever state you happen to be in. Awesome. Or you could just make it super easy on yourself and hire Mark. Um, he is, you know, you can always talk to me if you're listening to this podcast and you know me, I'd love to make an introduction or check him out at teskeymediaworks.com, T-E-S-K-E-Y, mediaworks.com. And where can they find you on social, Mark? Social media. I'm, I'm every place. Um, Maybe Instagram and Facebook. <laughs> let's let's Instagram, start. Instagram, Teske Media Works. Same thing. And the key to spelling Teske is with a K-E-Y. There you go. Um, you'll never forget it now. So Instagram, Teske Media Works, probably the best place to do it. Uh, Teske Media Works has a Facebook page as well. Um, not so active on Twitter these That's days. That's fine. We don't need to, to share that then. You know? Yeah, it's, Twitter's dying a little bit. But but those are probably two, the two of the best places to find me. Hey, it was really good hanging out with you. And uh, for the people listening to this podcast, if you're not into drone footage, you should be. Come on now. <laughs> I couldn't say it better. Thank you for joining us for this episode of It's a Code World. You can check out the show notes at hookagency.com slash podcast dash 24. And that's just the number 24. Um, you can check us out at hookagency.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at hookagency. Enjoy us <laughs> next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
Join us next time for It's a Code World, bringing you experts in digital marketing and helping small to mid-sized businesses be more professional. It means the world to us if you could take a minute to rate our podcast on iTunes at hookagency.com slash iTunes.